Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Starting off our program today, we've got a clip from the late Dr. Carl Stevens, preached in 1975, out of 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And here's what happens. When Elijah walked in the Spirit, and Elisha walked in the Spirit, they just kept on growing and kept on going deeper into the next thing with God. They started out from Gilgal. And I'm not going into the meaning of those words tonight, except in passing by reiteration, because that's not our devotional emphasis. They started out from Gilgal, the place of divine initiation. That's Gilgal, the place of divine initiation. The first breath they took in resurrection was Gilgal. The first place they enjoyed after coming out of the grave with Jesus was Gilgal. And they started out together in resurrection grounds, a place called Gilgal. And Elijah went with Elisha. They enjoyed very much Gilgal. But Gilgal, which is a place that anyone enjoys, Jacob will go to Gilgal as far as principle goes, when he goes to Bethel. But the Gilgal here is different than that. The Gilgal here means the place where God blesses people in oneness. And that's where we are become one and have no division, is to go to a certain place. This is not the cross. We've already been through the cross. This is the place where we begin after we came away from the cross once we went through it. And that's Gilgal. That's when we begin to walk, live, breathe, communicate, express, and sing, and be released in God. Then, after Gilgal, they went to Bethel. And Elijah said to Elisha, Why don't you stay here with me? And Elisha said, No. I want to go with you. And Elijah said, But why don't you stay? I'm going to Bethel. And Elisha said, Then I'm going to Bethel too. The reason is, I will not leave thee, nor forsake thee. And there isn't a single thing that can make me leave you, Elijah, where you go. I'm going. Elisha followed God's man. The prophets crying from a distance did not stop him. Not a thing stopped him. He followed God's man. And as he followed God's man, I want you to see where he ended up because he did it. Now they're in Bethel. In the 35th chapter of Genesis, Jacob went to Bethel when he was backslidden. He took a stone that served his head as a pillow, put oil on it, gave a wave offering to Jesus. The Bible says in verses 13 and 14 that the Lord came and communed with him. And they called the place Bethel. 
And the Lord went up from where he was talking with Jacob. Jacob is a place where my head finds rest. On the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Bethel is the place where the oil of the Holy Spirit anoints me. Bethel is the place where I give God a wave offering because I found rest for my mind, anointing for my body, and praise through my soul to God. Bethel is where God communes, talks, fellowships. I rest in His communion. He talks in my need. That's Bethel. Elisha said, I'm going with you to Bethel because your head will rest on the rock. You'll receive the anointing of the oil. You'll, you'll have the communion and fellowship with God. And so will I simply because I followed you there. That composes a government. It composes an order. It composes a, a divine body. Starting out with the miniature principles of what a corporate organism is. Elisha with Elijah in a place called Bethel. They went in the power of Gilgal. Now they're taking on the provision of faith rest through the anointing of the Holy Spirit in a personal communion with Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful picture. In verse 4, And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And I want you to think tonight of what it means to walk with the body, what it means to walk with each other, what it means to go on. I want to say, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on in the new dimensions. Let's go on in the new revelations. Let's go on in the new disciplines. Let's continue in the new trainings. Let's progress with the new applications of divine wisdom. Let's excel in the new fiery trials of the furnace. Let's go on. Jesus Christ is our Elijah. And together we make up Elisha. I may be the Elijah for the body... Jesus Christ is our Elijah, then I serve at times as an Elijah. Somebody else serves as an Elijah. Someone else does, and someone else does. And we all begin to understand what it means to walk onward because of Jesus Christ giving us the experience God would. So now, we have a great mission. I was thinking t today, this morning, Lord, we've, we've had such a good beginning and we're having a nice beginning. Help us to send teams to Japan. 
Help us to send teams to New Guinea. Help us to send teams to India. Break down the doors of Red China. Break down the doors of Red China. Arrange it with other Christians, wherever they may be across the world that have this burden, that we can send groups before the rapture to this place called Red China. Soviet Russia. Elisha will continue with Elijah to the next place, to the next room, to the next opportunity, to the next blessing, to the next trial, to the next place where God will bless greater than he did the last one. Let's go on together, not in emotionalism, but thanking God whenever we feel God. To see God heal the masses. To see Him speak in national tongues across the seas because of time, and we, so that we can speak in their own language and they can be saved. Let's go on and see God move in New York City, and California, and Chicago, and Detroit. Let's follow our Elijah, Jesus Christ. And then one another in their perspective ways that we can do so in the body. I'm going to go to Jericho. You've got to stay here. And Elisha's answer is this. I'm not going to stay. I'm going to go with you. Jericho represents a problem. It represents a city of evil. A city where the heathen are. It represents opposition. It represents religious persecution. So you stay here. You're resting in Bethel. You've got resurrection life. You've got communion with God without opposition. Take it easy. Stay here. There's going to be long hours in Jericho. So you stay here. And Elisha said, As my soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. Whatever's in Jericho, I'm going. And so they both went to Jericho. The Jerichos will reveal how much we receive from Bethel. And Bethel will express our start in Gilgal. Together it will it reveal our fellowship together, the oneness of our hearts, the determinations of our souls, the grace of our provision. Then Elijah said, Okay, we're going to go to the Jordan. Why don't you stay here? You remember what I said in other typology message about the Jordan. It would take the water normally 70 miles to arrive in the Dead Sea through the Jordan River. But because of the twisting and the turning, 
because of the crooked road and the crooked crooked way to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River has to travel 200 miles. After it travels 200 miles, seeking wildly, screaming frantically, escaping amazingly to get away from its fate, it ends up in the Dead Sea. And there it stays. It doesn't overflow. It's hidden in the Dead Sea, worthless and with no value. Elijah said, I'm going to the Jordan. It's a place where people aren't overflowing. It's a place where people have, have been in Christianity and been in religion and gone way beyond what they had to do and haven't found any life. They're still dead. It's a place where they've been seeking and striving and yearning, but ended up lifeless in the Dead Sea with no overflow of God. It's the Jordan River. And he said, I'm going there. I'm going to face the Jordan. I'm going to face that group. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm going to face it. And I'm going to Jordan. And Elisha said, and so am I. And he said, I'm not going to leave you. And he said, as my soul liveth, I will not leave you. And on he went to the difficult ministry to the Jordan River, folks. And that's exactly what we want to do. Go all the way. Go to the Jericho and reach the heathen. Go into the religious realm and reach those that are deceived through death, legalism, law, or whatever. And then finally, Elijah said, what would you have me to do for you? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, If you see the mantle I want, I'll read that to you in verse 9. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. <clears throat> it came to pass as they still went on, I like that. They still went on. They still went on. A lot of you dear folks have natural temperaments which God sends you on an assignment. You do it for a while and then you want to change because that's in your makeup. You desperately wanted to be where you are and now you've got that old famous anxiety change deal coming in your soul. Learn to walk with a body and still go on. <clears throat> Let them change you if they want to, but you still go on. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. What a rich 
portion to start out the program with. The beautiful thing about being a Christian, being a Bible-based, faith-oriented, spirit-filled, blood-bought believer is that when I don't know what to do next, I know what to do. I have great instruction from the Word of God about how to take the next step, about what what our purpose is, who we are in our identity, so we can do the next thing. And just like Elisha following Elijah, we're put in situations where we need to make decisions. And I love that the Bible gives specific instruction to us, but also we have a means of finding the will of God in times when there is no direct biblical reference to quote about what we should do next. I love in 2 Kings 19, starting in verse 13, Hezekiah had received this letter from an enemy. There was a great enemy that would have overwhelmed him. Starting in verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And I like that. That's a great place to start, to spread it before the Lord. We pray and we give it to God. You see it on television. We see it in the movies, all over the media. And there's this idea that even professionals and very successful people seem to need to have the psychiatrist to talk to to work out their problems to work out the issues of their life. And it promotes this idea that even the smartest among us, even the most successful, need that emotional support of this clinical professional who will help them. And we see as biblical believers that, although of course we need to speak to someone sometimes in our lives, and we've said it on this program before, having someone to talk to, getting specific direction from someone. But we can pour out our complaint to our Heavenly Father, and we have that support system of prayer that is amazing, that in the most difficult times, God is our comfort, God is our rest, God imparts wisdom to us when we ask for it. And we lay out the situation before Him, and yes, it's great if we have and Elijah, as it was said. (laughs) Christ is our Elijah that we follow, but there are leaders, there are pastors, there there are ones that God has given us that we follow, and we can confide in them, we can speak to them. But to lay it out before the Lord, spread it out, and then rest, casting all our care upon him, because he cares for us, that is amazing provision. And that's part of knowing what to do when we don't know what to do next. Psalm 5, verse 7 and 8. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make my way straight before my face. Hmm. I love that. I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. 
And again, in Proverbs 3, starting in verse 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall thy find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I love this. And we, we talk about wisdom and this direction of the Lord. But this previous verses that talk about mercy, mercy and truth. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. This is key. This is so key. When we understand what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, this great mercy that God has, this great truth about what God's done, these are the things we keep firmly before our faces. And we... It gives us favor. It gives us favor in the sight of God. And this kindness begins to overflow in our hearts. And when we don't know what to do, we can love people, can't we? I love that portion about Jericho. We can love people. We're operating in an overall vision to reach the lost, to missions, evangelism. This is a part of our life. This is not something that we just do occasionally. This is the mode that we're operating in all the time. This is the underlying context of how we live our lives. That our communication with people, that we have a desire to reveal an invisible God to them. So we're functioning in that overall vision. And mercy and truth, they're a part of our life. They're a part of our communication. They're a part of the way that we deal with people. We deal with people in kindness. And we understand and have before our face the kindness of God at all times, even in difficult situations. And when we lose sight of that, when we don't know what to do, and there seem to be perils on, on the left and dangers on the right, and we can lose sight of the goodness of God and His mercy. And that's really when we need to come in close and lean on Him. Proverbs 6, starting in verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them upon thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Oh, isn't that good? There's something about being in the Word. There's something about meditating on it. When we go, it leads us. When we sleep, it keeps us. And doesn't it filter in to our sub and unconscious mind and affect the way we think and the way we... Have you ever read the Scriptures and just been delighted with them right before bed? Then had these wonderful dreams. <laughs> and they've definitely what you were reading seemed to sink down into your sub and unconscious mind. When you're awake, it talks with thee. Oh, that's good. The law is a light. Hmm. It is a light. It leads us in our next steps, but it also shows us the pathway in which we should go. 
So we spread it out before God. We spread out our situation. We can worship. We can love. We can pray. We can lean heavily on the Lord. Leaning on the Lord, not on our own understanding. We can have rest. Oh, when we've received the grace of God, we can enter into rest. Mercy. And when we've received that, it produces joy, thanksgiving in our hearts. And when we receive grace, when, it, when it's revealed to us, oh, oh, what rest comes over us. We can have fellowship one with another. We can go where people are gathered together to worship God. I love going to church. When I don't know what to do next, I go to church. When the doors are open, I go. I go. And I spend time with the body of Jesus Christ. I hear preaching from the pulpit. I receive amazing cues from God through His Spirit by what people who are filled with the Holy Spirit may say to me. I'm looking. I'm asking for God to reveal Himself. And He does through these amazing pathways that He's given us. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Maybe you've lived your life like the Jordan River, winding, winding, winding. Not going directly from here to there, but instead meandering this way and that way through life torturously leading you to the Dead Sea, to the end of your life. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. To panic when you don't know what to do next. To retreat to substance abuse or some other means. To get away from your problems because they're so heavy that you can't bear them. There is a one who would bear your burdens for you, who you can yoke up with, His burden is light, and He loves you and wants to reveal not only the next step of your life, but several steps ahead. Would you receive Him as your Savior? Would you ask Christ to come into your life and change you because of what He's done on the cross? Let's pray a prayer together. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I hadn't known what to do next. But now, I sense that I must receive you, that, I, that it is imperative that you be my Savior. Come into my life, save me. I pray these things, I ask these things, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>